You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Broken records. The albums you wouldn't shut up about. Broken records. The music our guests can't live without. Like Judy, Barbara, Liza, Bette, Betty, Audra, Bernadette. We broadcast this podcast with hopes that someday we might get... Patty LaPaul! Broken record, broken record, broken record, broken record, broken record. Welcome to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. I'm Ben Rimmelauer, and I'm here with my lovely co host, Daniel Nolan. Hey, y'all. We are both so excited about our guest today. Pixie Aventura is one of the most talented artists working in drag, or really any kind of performance art or comedy today, or tonight. To say the least. <laughs> I can certainly attest that Pixie Aventura is far and away my favorite drag queen. Yeah, but she's really more than that. So true. Seeing Pixie Aventura is more akin to seeing a great raconteur or a philosopher, a great mind like Lenny Bruce or Joan Rivers, mm-hmm. more than just an entertaining drag show. Although Pixie is entertaining for sure. The house down. Can I say that? Yes, I'll allow it. Cesar is coming in to talk to us about Whitney Houston's greatest hits. How did we allow that? I know, it's not a real album. <laughs> but I mean, who's going to argue with Cesar? Certainly not me. Not I, sir. Anyway, of course we love Whitney and are thrilled to get into that. Do you love Whitney? I mean... Fuck you. No, I mean, I grew up on those greatest hits, but what does Whitney mean to you as a millennial? My parents blasted the Bodyguard soundtrack in our minivan every Sunday after church, so... All right. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, straight from the script, just a bit. <laughs> Your version's better. Um, yeah, but to be fair, and also in uh, Pixie's defense, she had about a 10 to 12 album list uh, that we could have discussed, but that was the one we kind of chose and went with just, you know, for the sake of time. But as Pixie herself says, she is a research queen, and so she knows so much about music and performers and has such... Um, a massive uh, knowledge and, and library of, of songs as we see. And we see her, you know, perform and lip sync to them every time we see her. And it's very impressive. Um, it's funny to think about Pixie it's when you say research queen. I mean, I know that's a term she's used. Mm-hmm. But it's so brilliantly integrated, uh, mm-hmm. Pixie's research. I mean, I think, like, I think about cabaret shows where mm-hmm. the artist would refer to themselves, you know, as, I mean, maybe they wouldn't say research queen, but, you know, when they would talk about research, and I think sometimes they do that the wrong way, and it becomes, mm-hmm. like, academic. Yeah. Whereas, like, Pixie's research, while it's scholarly, and it's, like, depth and breadth and, like, like intellectual mm-hmm. um, edge, it's not then, like, just sort of displayed in some sort of academic right, way. It's actually, right. like, utilized in a way that's really integral to mm-hmm. whatever Very creative um, thing Pixie's doing, which is always really entertaining, mm-hmm. you know, never boring, usually boring. hilarious, sometimes really dramatic, moving, challenging, yeah. and, um, uh, you know, just 
just always fucking good. Always good. And she's someone who can really... Um, she has that thing like Bianca or... Bianca uh, Del Rio. Bianca Del Rio. Or a lot of those queens who... Or, or Bob the Drag Queen. Like a lot of queens who host both, nights. Both winners of RuPaul's Drag Race. Bro- both winners. Which Pixie has never been on. Yeah, but she should because she would she would win everything, including All-Stars, including winner season. Um, but Pixie does that thing where she can... Uh, really respond in the moment to a situation and read the room and uh, in a way that's effective and smart and funny. Um, well, and by the way, that's that's a true gift. I mean, it's it's actually, I mean, it's so funny. It's actually totally separate from what we were just talking about, right? Like, mm-hmm. as, like a, a as an artist creating a piece of work, mm-hmm. Pixie is really in a unique class of, like, very few, like, cream-of-the-crop people Mm -hmm. that really, like, has something to say and, like, does her homework and, like, says it in, like, the smartest, most effective way, right? Mm -hmm. That's just even, like, the what Pixie does before the show starts. Yeah. And then, during the show, you're talking about this amazing ability Pixie has that's also really rare. Right. And for, I'm not talking about drag queens. I mean, just performers in the world right. in general to, uh, you know, as you said, just respond in real time in this really brilliant way. And that could be responding to something that happens in the room from the audience or just that sense of being in the moment and taking... I mean, that's why it's so exciting to watch Pixie do a number or a monologue or anything. Mm-hmm. Um well, Equally big... spontaneous. Whether Pixie is doing something that's truly spontaneous that just happened in the room. Somebody, I don't know, threw up, you know, on the other side of the stage or something. Right. Or it's something actually planned in the song. Pixie has that dangerous spontaneity blazing through her performances right. that you feel like anything can happen and you see the gears shifting and Pixie uh, re- responding to situations in, mm-hmm. in real time. And in her uh, final uh, epic segment of her show drag suicide you know people throw these uh artists and songs at her that she's never heard of but she still somehow in the moment performs to them uh in a way that feels uh it's entertaining and you know yeah she doesn't know the word she'll she'll do a funny you know bit uh that still makes it seem like it's it's a choice and it's it's always it's always really smart and fabulous so yeah, Pixie has been such an important part of my Fire Island experience these past several years. Mine too. And I look forward to seeing her on Mondays uh, every week. I mean, I didn't even really have such an appetite for drag shows. I mean, I, I love RuPaul's Drag Race, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I loved some of the other queens we're talking to in this podcast and their mm-hmm. shows and whatever. But I mean, we've gone to see Pixie do these shows in Cherry Grove that are, you know, they're just free shows at a gay bar it's mm-hmm. just you know they're not it's not even like a, a, a set piece that's you know I mean Pixie obviously puts a lot of work into it so it feel, it has the um, sheen of a set piece in a lot of ways Yeah, but it's not like you know Pixie doing like you know the story of like you know the, my dog getting cholera and stopping barking outside the window or whatever <laughs> right you know? um Yes. So, love her. I mean, we're talking such superlatives, and that is so appropriate, of course, to Whitney Houston, because, mm-hmm. like, Whitney is the voice. The voice. Um, Who do you think, I always think, like, Whitney, Judy, Barbara. For me, those are, like, the top. Oh, are top we playing Dolly three. Concert Kill? Well, no, just, like, the top, my top three voices. Like, really? Maybe not, the best, like, the most unique voices, uh... 
of their generation. You know, Judy passed the torch to Barbara, whatever. And then, you know... Barbara tried to after um, Barbara not give the torch to Whitney. Right, right. <laughs> or anyone. Uh, you know, but it's like, after Barbara, like, Whitney was kind of the next truly unique voice, even though she only did, um, you know, the bodyguard was kind of her only real foray into acting. She didn't, she didn't have quite that journey that Barbara had, but she was, um, you know, they tried to kind of groom her for the whole package. Um, and for various reasons, I guess that didn't take, but, and that's happened, I guess, with a lot of pop stars, but Whitney is someone who has a truly unique gift that a lot of people do not have such as Madonna or, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, in terms of, like, Whitney and, like, talking about Pixie, because in some ways they're so different. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, you know, if you're saying Whitney as a pop star crossing over to movies didn't even have the sort of, like, theatrical acting background that, like, let Barbara, mm-hmm. you know, make her transition or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Pixie's the opposite. I mean, Pixie's not even, like, just coming in as, like, a, a musical theater performer who's castable in a role although Pixie's certainly that, but Pixie is someone who creates material, right? right? right. And, like, you know, I mean... But what they have in common, I think... um, And we really haven't... I haven't really heard Pixie sing, although I have it on good authority that Pixie's a good singer, but I Mm -hmm. doubt Pixie sings like Whitney, because nobody sings like Whitney. Right. You know, but... But but Whitney had that authority on stage. Yes, yes. That Whitney had that command that, you know, there's that there's a God-given um, talent here, mm-hmm. whatever that talent is, but that is an undeniable force. Yeah. And I think with Pixie, there is a sense of that, even though it's a totally different talent than Whitney's, mm-hmm. you feel that you're dealing with a formidable... Uh, Artists, yeah. presence, yeah. Well, and the thing about, you know, as we saw in the documentary, So Sad, uh, you know, Whitney let a lot of other people direct her life, including her family, and that's something that's so, um, not, I don't want to say refreshing, because obviously Whitney was very young, and a lot of it was not her fault, but, you know, Pixie's someone who has a director's eye, she's the whole package, she's a one-woman show, um, she's not just someone, like you're saying, who you cast in a role because she can dance, or she can, you know tell a joke it's like she does the whole thing by herself she comes up with the sh- uh, the numbers she comes yeah. up with the set list she comes up with the jokes she comes up with the stories um and she does it like you know five times a week and so she if you could take pixie's talent and mm-hmm. cast her in something what would you want to see pixie do i mean i feel like we told her this uh during one of her performances but uh women on the verge oh yeah or Wait. and i didn't we disagree though i wanted her to play peppa i wanted her to play the lead well, we, I think that's great. I mean, when we told her that, she was, uh, I think she had just performed Laura uh, Benanti's song. song yeah. And so she was like, oh no, don't you mean model behavior, whatever her name um, is. And we were like, no, we want you to be the lead, Peppa. Yeah, so, right. And then she was like, oh, the lead. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, but she's fabulous. And I am excited for everyone to hear our conversation. Yeah. Broken record, broken record, broken record. Well, Daniel and I could not be more excited to have our guests here today. The fabulous Pixie Aventura, a.k.a. Cesar Villavicencio. Hi. We, I'm wearing my uh, Ice Palace t-shirt oh, yes. in honor of where we first fell in love with Pixie. Oh, I didn't even know they had a t-shirt. 
Go you figure. Did, and I've you, been there for you four years. Yeah, totally. Online? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> we, uh, we fell in love with Pixie. We're in such fans. Her weekly show over the summer at the Ice Palace in Cherry Grove. But she has weekly shows all over uh, the city and mm-hmm. soon to be all over the world. Mm-hmm. And even, even digitally now all over the world on Scruff app. I've yes. been over the world, too. It's fine. All <laughs> over the world. And, um, well, uh, we're so thankful that you're here. Thank you. And we we love uh, your take on everything, and we really want your take (laughs) on music, because we know it's a big part of who you are and your work. Yeah. (laughs) And so let's just start from the top. From the top. With The Voice. The Voice. Houston. Yeah. And um, was not surprised to see her on uh, your list of uh, your... Most of our guests choose an album that was inspiring to them. Pixie chose like twelve, which is because she is so inspired. She's a curator of everything yes. musical, and she brings it to the audience. Which um, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to pick one. It's, it's hard to pick. Well, even the Whitney, by the way, is a greatest hits. Not a well, yeah. Album. The first two albums are uh, Whitney's greatest hits, uh, which includes remixes of ballads, duh, a lot of Thunderpuss, mm-hmm. yes, a lot of Hector X. Yeah, I was surprised how many remixes there were. Right, and then of course also the Queen Platinum 1, 2, and 3 collection. So I feel like both of those are just um, cop-outs because you're getting the best of the best. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I just... I, I can't just pick one Whitney. Well, that that's fine. You know what, Whitney, I think, especially at now that she's gone, um, mm-hmm. you know... But we were still gifted with another song. We were. Fine. Higher Love. <laughs> I mean, a song that I thought I had taken my full journey with had so nope. many adventures left to offer me. And I love when you play that at the show. It's so great. Thanks. Getting the word out there. <laughs> People don't know. Um, but let's talk about Whitney. So what was the greatest hits, the album that you actually played at the time or does it just bring together tracks from the different albums you were playing? It's definitely bringing tracks from different albums. Um, my first uh, connection to Whitney was the Bodyguard soundtrack. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would play that nonstop and it was a small album. I remember that the case was thinner than, than normal. Oh, really? It was just like was a little... Was it plastic or was it like... One it was like plastic, paper? but it, you know how like CDs came in... Um, they usually come in like a thicker, like almost pencil. Th- yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this mm-hmm. one was thinner than that. It was just oh. like, I don't I know. You get annoyed about that because they didn't fit in the shelf. In yeah, my, like right. You know? And you couldn't see the name on it yeah. on the side. Right. Yeah. Whitney knew that, though. You know? yes. She's like, do the work. So that was the, the one that I started with. Um, and so that it, was your intro into Whitney. I don't, I, I just remember, I Will Always Love You. I think mm-hmm. that was definitely the song. Mm-hmm. Into it all the time, and then uh, when I, I don't even know how I got the album, maybe she got it, 
Um, but I just remember sitting in front of the huge stereos uh-huh. that were, at the time, my height. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like three pillars, like uh-huh. s- two speakers and the center thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, and now it's all in our phone. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, that was my introduction to her, the bodyguard. Um, Did you appreciate, because um, you were pretty young, like, I think that album was, you know, you're not even old, you're not old enough to remember the when The Greatest Love of All was on the radio. Absolutely. No, yeah, no. To somebody. Totally not. But, I mean, so, at that young age, because I remember discovering Greatest Love of All when it, you know, was uh-huh. on the radio and all that, and I loved her so much, but I, don't, I didn't understand technically, like, oh, wow, her voice is really doing things other people can't do. Right. I think maybe later on I was like, why mm-hmm. can't their voices mm-hmm. do that? But I, I just kind of took it for granted how technically great she was. It was just, like, I think the... Um, I don't know if it's like the balls or the like joy. There's something in the way she sings, you know. But you are a singer. I mean, what? how did you relate to her as that voice? Well, I, I don't think... I mean, how old was I when that came out? I was maybe around five. So oh, wow. <laughs> Little. <laughs> um, and I just think it was that, that endless power. Like, yeah. it just seemed like it would go on forever. Yeah. It I don't so effortless. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think I was just... I was listening for technique. It was just, for me, it was just, like, amazing. I was, yeah. like, there was just something about her. And then seeing her on videos, and it's just, I don't know. It just you overpowered know, me. RuPaul talks about seeing Diana Ross for the first time on TV, and yeah. he says it's, like, it was, like, seeing a glimpse of God or something like that. Yeah. And that's how I feel, like, for me, it was, you know, Judy Garland and Wizard of Oz. Or right. Whatever, for, you know, Whitney was definitely that for me. I would, ag- I would agree with that. I mean, and there was other people that I had seen, too, and... But there was just something about Whitney that I connected to. I don't know. We're going to go deep. I don't know if it was like a subconscious like connection to her, knowing later like, the crap she was going through. Yeah. Like You can just see there was so much going on in the background. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she totally. was just able to push that into her voice and yeah, her talent. Yeah, totally. It's, like, it's very Judy. It's like, you know, that, that ache in the vulnerability yes. comes through. Do you remember um, how you came across then her older songs at that point? Or, you know... I think just um, continuing to follow her after that and then being able to go back and listen to her, her stuff. And that's why I love this album because mm-hmm. you really go in the journey from the beginning mm-hmm. to home from the, the end. Yeah. yeah. And you
you can see the change in style. You can see the change in music. You can see how, like, she was first being told what to sing. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. was, like, probably this... If somebody else would have gotten the song, they probably wouldn't have been hits. Mm-hmm. But the stuff that she yeah. did to the lyrics mm-hmm. musically and, and, and vocally, you're just like, damn, girl, like, give someone yeah. else a chance. But it's just so easy for her. And Wasn't that sissy, too, like telling her like you need to sing this type of song right right and you can see that because it's very very classical very gospel in the beginning and then you just sort of see the trend that she goes into R&B and she just doesn't really give a shit no more and not that she doesn't give a shit but she's like it's me it's me Um, I think in the documentary Sissy called it we were preparing her to perform legacy music. And, not and it is. Yeah. And I always say this at my shows, and you guys maybe have heard it. Mm-hmm. Like, her music will be playing 50 yes. years from now, yeah. 100 years from now, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the gays are still going to be step-touching to yeah, it. Totally. Did, did anything, I mean, so then you were a little bit older, like, when she came out with, like, My Love Is Your Love, mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. oh, God, what's the really crazy angry one that It's I not right, but it's, it's not okay. Right, but it's okay. Take care of my babies. I mean, were, were you into that still then? Absolutely. Um, I, yeah. It's not right. Even even towards the end of her life, like uh, I love when you called out. Um, I didn't know my own strength. Yeah, at the mm-hmm, show last week because mm-hmm. I love that album. It, it it is good, and you can. I mean, vocally, you can tell she wasn't at her peak, but uh-huh. there was. She's still a storyteller. So yeah, much, in absolutely. some ways, more so because she. That's what's left. You yeah. Know? Didn't know my own strength, and I crashed down and I tumbled, but I did not. I mean, and there are some really beautiful notes uh, on that album. Do you, um, did you ever see her live? No. Me either. I never did. Is that, um, do you, are these divas, you know, um, Whitney or, or even a Freddie Mercury or any of the yeah. other artists? Like, you know, I, I think for, for both of us and part of the reason we, we, wanted to do this podcast is because there's such like fixtures in our daily lives you know the first name basis and mm-hmm, you know it's mm-hmm. like spending the summer with Judy or Bet or whoever is like you know we're obsessed with you know rediscovering mm-hmm. a lesser album of theirs that you know later on and appreciating it or you know um, do they um, do you have that kind of a relationship with them or you know is it just something that you've digested and it's just part of you and you don't continue to listen uh, yeah absolutely I'm, I like to call myself a research queen mm. you totally are yeah <laughs> oh sure and the, I when I love something I just dive in and like mm-hmm. I really want to know as much as possible and I just feel like maybe there's a 
undertones of of um, underdog, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and I feel like yeah. in one way or another they all were like yeah. all of my select. I mean, not the musicals, but like my artists. I feel like at one point might have been, and I feel like artists in general. People think it's uh, like overnight, and it's not. It's it's a lot of work that goes mm-hmm. into it. Like even for myself, sometimes I feel like people like come up to me like, "Oh my god, I've never seen you," or, or um, "Oh my god, like you're doing your show is so amazing." I I, I remember seeing you when you first began, and it's just like, yeah, and it's been a process. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, I'm still learning. Well, right? let's talk about your process because like okay. I know that you went to Otterbein, but <laughs> I just I just was thinking about you last night because I was watching uh, Handmaid's Tale. And you know that, that, <laughs> okay, that guy. Well, must <laughs> be the fruit. Must be the fruit. But, but yeah. the guy that are you up to date? Yeah. Oh, like yeah. I love today. <laughs> like the guy in Canada that's doing like the interrogating of them went to Audubon. Yeah. I saw it because I was like, that guy's so hot. I have to look him up. On <laughs> and um, uh, so I was like, oh my god, that's Pixie School. And you must know the casting director Michael Casera went yes. there. Yes. Uh-huh. I hope that he's giving you some good, good stuff. He he better pay it forward. <laughs> Gonna have a little talk with him. Okay. Um, but I don't uh, think he knows what I do. <laughs> oh really? Well, he's got to know. He will. Um, I mean, he's older than you. You know. Still, um, he knows who I am. <laughs> he's fucking better. Um, uh, so you you were there studying musical theater. Yes. And with the dance concentration. With the dance mm-hmm. concentration, mm-hmm. and You're such a fabulous dancer. Yes, an urban ethnic beat. <laughs> um, so, when did you come straight to New York after school? Um, I did. We did summer theater there, um, and then I went back to Miami for a month. And I told my my parents, I was like, okay, I'm moving. And I was like, can you help me in any way? And my mom was very reluctant. Actually, she she actually was making it the most difficult. She's like, I think you need to stay and, write, and like you know like work. So, and I was like, why am I going to waste my time working a job here uh-huh. to get money? Well, I might as well just suck it up and just go. Yeah. Um, and I just did. I was like, okay. I did that whole what's what's the Forty Second Street reference? Uh, Pound in Forty Second Street. Uh, no, but like how many like few dollars in my pocket? Mm-hmm. Some of it. Anyways, so yeah, I came here for the enough rent for the first week. Um, and wow! First, I mean, the first month. Sorry, still, uh, still first month, brave. which is nothing because it was literally a hole in a wall. It was like right under five hundred dollars, which is unheard of. Sure, but it was a hole in a wall. And where was this? That it you was were in? in Hamilton Heights, uh-huh. one forty-seven between Broadway and Amsterdam. And what what year was that? If you don't, know. it was two thousand nine. <laughs> two thousand nine. This is my tenth year. You're just a baby. Um, so were you uh, like, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get cast. What was like? Was in the Heights still playing? Was that like on your radar? What was the plan? Yep, my auditions were in the Heights, West Side Story, and Alter Boys. <gasps> wow. Did you audition for Arthur Lawrence? No, no, it was. I didn't even make it through the first round. Fuck them. That production sucks anyway. Uh, yeah. No, it was... Yeah, it was interesting. We're going to get some tea right now. Yes. Um, it, it was... I forget his name. Uh, Joey? The Joey. choreographer? Oh, Joey PC? Maybe. Maybe. Co- oh, of... of um, uh, what's his story? Oh, uh, no, it's um, Joey McNeely? Maybe. But his name is Joey. Joey he was Joey. the one in charge. Um... Uh, yeah, I auditioned for him, and I could just tell he was looking right past me. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't even bothering. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, fine. And I went to um, the Ritz, and one <laughs> of my friends were there, and uh, she had been 
she's really close friends with the assistant choreographer who was in the room as well. And we're just kicking it. We're mm-hmm. dancing. Some Latin music came on. We're do- and we're like just dancing. We're both from Miami, so we were just whatever. It's in our blood. And her, his assistant comes up to me and goes, hey, have you auditioned for West Side Story? And this was literally a week after. And I was like, yeah, I did. Okay, so... <laughs> but yeah, that first two years, wow. it was rough. I would, except for that one, I would get to the end of all the calls in the Heights, and I was became the reader for In the Heights for a whole year. Oh, and wow. just... Nothing came of it. And That's good that you were the reader, though. Obviously, the casting directors liked you. And yeah, but it you. wasn't because I was, I was being treated very differently than the other readers. Sure. I was being asked to leave the room after every audition. Oh, because they were bringing me in too. So I don't know oh, if okay. they just they didn't want to hear they didn't want I, you to hear them talk. Like maybe yeah, or an upper hand or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I just never got far with that mm-hmm. and. That's what pushed me to pursue something yeah. else because I was like just tired of, yeah. Had you done any writing before that? No. And um, had you done drag before that? I had done drag in college, but it was just part of a fundraiser we did every year. It was right. it was a very much for fun. It wasn't a thought of me actually doing it in the city. Where you had performed in drag? In, in, in school, college? yeah, yeah. Um, since my freshman year. But I actually didn't bring anything with right, me. Right. And then one thing led to another, and my first place was Sugarland in Brooklyn. Oh, oh yeah, yeah that's I remember it well. I used to live in Williamsburg when I first Before it closed. Too. And yeah. then that brought me to Vig 27. Oh, it was on that. 27th and Park. It, it was like maybe a three year bar. 27th and yeah. Park. Oh, okay. And then that, that led me to industry as a coat check girl, which then. I was able to do a competition uh-huh. at Posh, which finally led me to be cast in Industries show mm-hmm. and then get a show at Barracuda. And during that time, were you still auditioning for theater? Yeah, I was. And were you doing any? No. And were you um, frustrated by that? I mean, Absolutely. obviously you were frustrated. But I mean, you know, like, it's easy from the outside to be like, oh, you're so talented, just keep trying. Like, yeah. but you know, were you past that point of like being able to? Like, yeah, and I'm, we're talking about like it's a short amount of time, but it it was really frustrating. I know I don't fill the cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being told that I wasn't Latin enough. <laughs> oh my god! And I wasn't green enough. Thank oh, you. I was too green. Um, and I was like, how am I not Latin enough? I mean, that's the whole point of a certain show. Yeah, <laughs> all types of Latin. <laughs> But okay, Um, so I just, drag sort of was there, and it was just allowed me to do whatever I wanted. Did you know, did you pursue that on your own, Uh, you know, was that in your mind, like, I should try drag, or did someone say, like, you should be in this competition, or you should try drag? No, no, Um, I had a survival job, and Mm -hmm. one of my coworkers did drag at Sugarland, Mm -hmm. and we were just talking, and I was like, oh, yeah, I ended up, and she was like, well, come guest, and I was like, um, okay. Was was Pixie always your name from the get-go? Yeah, Pixie was always my name from the get-go. And where's that from, that name? That is from high school. We were just playing, I went to performing arts high school, we were Uh just playing that, 
I mean, I think originally is a stripper name. I mean, it's all like, what's your stripper name? What's this? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Your drag name is like the first pet you had and what street you were born on. And blah, oh blah, my blah, God, blah. So that's what that is? That's what it is. Wow. You grew up on Aventura? No. There's, it's, the streets in Miami are numbered. So oh, I had, yeah, to, you pick, told this I had to pick a neighborhood that made <laughs> sense with me right, and I mean, my name. But that's what makes it great. Like, yeah. I knew Aventura from like visiting my grandparents, yeah. you know, and it has a, a quality of that. Yeah. Um, so when I started in college, I didn't think this would give me, be a career. And I was like, I already have a name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I, it just was there. It yeah. stuck. But it's so perfect. Thank yeah. you. I also don't like witty names. You don't like what? Witty, oh, witty, witty, witty names? Like, like, yeah. Like, like w- pun drag queen names? Because I'm, I'm just like, yay, the joke is there and we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, do you... Um, like start to identify as pixie. I mean, is you know people calling you that and being known for that. You know, do do you feel like there's like any kind of like anonymity behind that for Caesar? Yes and no. Um, it took a while, not only for me to sort of grasp what I was doing because mm-hmm. YouTube was maybe just coming up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so nobody really knew what to do with that. Now I feel like there's a uh, an educational video for anything. Yeah, for sure. But so for me, I've never hidden Caesar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's old school drag queens that literally you never see out of right. drag. Lady Bunny. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I see her. Yeah. You would probably be walking next to her and you don't know who it is. No, right? you've right. seen Bunny out of drag. Oh, we've, well, we've seen her out of drag, but most people haven't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a very old school thing, and you don't even know her boy name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I feel we've gotten to this world where you, especially through Drag Race, that you see people in and out of drag right. and the other names as well. Right. Um, but I've yeah, I've never hidden myself. Even my Instagram and my social media, mm-hmm. it's me. I'm yeah. It's both people. Mm-hmm. And you post a lot of stories, and you talk to the your followers and stuff as Caesar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get in drag to, like, to a little five-second video. <laughs> do, do, you, um, do you still have a desire to perform as Caesar or, or in character out of drag and do other kinds of Absolutely. Material? Ironically, mm-hmm. as soon as I started doing drag, I was getting the calls to the yeah. like, <laughs> and do that. Of course, of course. And do um, workshops and whatnot. And have you said yes to those things? Yeah, at the very beginning, yeah. But yeah. now, I like to say I can be picky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right. I'm just not going to do a project that I don't really connect to. Yeah, mm-hmm. and sure. a lot of people ask me like, "Do you still audition?" I was like, "There is nothing really out there that I'm like, I want to put energy in that." Right, mm-hmm. excited by not yeah. for me at least. I feel I still just because I'm a drag queen doesn't mean I have to be in a drag queen show. Right, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not the same. Right. Sure, right, sure, right. Now, like, you know, but there, I do think about, um, you know, when you're talking about not fitting in the box, you know, I mean, that's such a common thread for, like, queer people as as performers, you know, and it's like, um, and I think that's why, you know, it's so important for so many people uh, who have been marginalized to to write the stories and, you know, create the content. Mm -hmm, Totally. And, and, you know, and you just seem like someone, you know, even just, even lip-syncing a song just for 25 seconds without the context and you give so much context but I mean even just 20 seconds of you lip syncing it there's so much story and mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. and then you actually create this like really rich context with these medleys and the mm-hmm. dialogue that's mm-hmm. cut into mm-hmm. it um, and it all seems to really come from the same point of view um, and persona that you have 
j- just talking, you know, um, mm-hmm. off the cuff mm-hmm. to the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that seems so well conceived and thought out. And it, have, do you think about creating things that are um, with, I don't want to say necessarily more performers because there's lots of different ways, you know, what you do could grow that doesn't just mean more people. But for example, with more people, do you yeah. see taking, do, doing work on a different level other than just more successful, you know, more, other than a bigger audience, yeah. do you see doing work on a different level? Yeah, I mean, that's a very layered question. Sure, um, take let's, your time. Let's start with <laughs> the first part that, um, like I said, I am a research queen, and there are, what does that mean? Um, I, if there's a song that speaks to me, is mm-hmm. if there's an audio clip that speaks to me, I I want to create a story behind it. Mm-hmm. I feel as an entertainer, as an illusionist, you have, it's just... It's more than just the illusion of appearance. Um, you you have to make the audience believe that you are really singing this song. Mm-hmm. So th- I feel there has to be an emotion behind it. There has to be something going on in your head mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I always say I'm not going to do a song because I like it. Right. Yeah. And I feel a lot of people do that. You yeah. do you, but I'm going to do me. Yeah. And I have to create that storyline for myself. Um, and there are times that I don't, I have like mixes or like playlists of songs that I want to put together or whatever, but I just haven't gotten that right clip that mm-hmm. will connect mm-hmm. everything. Um, where was I? Uh, okay, the next level to the question. Yes, <laughs> um, I see myself that I have the artistic director eye. Yes, I think totally. down the road I would love to be some sort of artistic director, mm-hmm. which probably that means I have to get into some sort of directing, which is hard for me because I still want to be performing, and I don't necessarily want to be a performer and a director off the get-go. I still feel I, I need more... Not experience, but I need more opportunities as a uh, performer mm-hmm. outside of just Pixie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of stories I want to tell. It's just, one, having the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> two, energy, mm-hmm. and one, just the opportunity or, or something needs to come up. Do you think about, I guess, what about, like, something that's not... I mean, we marvel because there's... At least the shows that we've been going to in Fire Island to see you... It's. I mean, it really is like a happening. The audience right. is so excited and so packed, and yeah, I've Twitter. never seen people just like throwing money. You know, they're just like. I mean, yeah. they're like, this is actually going to be making like decent money for her on these yeah, nights. Yeah. You know, but like, do you think about doing something um, more? Uh, not necessarily narrative, but like a, of a piece, uh, a whole evening selling tickets kind of thing. Absolutely, I. I almost put up a show earlier this year, a two-person show. Um, the story of my life. Mm-hmm. It was on Broadway with Malcolm Getz, and no way. I was gonna put it uh, just me, like f- I would fund it at the Lower Beachman. But then I started listening to the music, and I was speaking to my friend who would have been the music director, and I was just like, "There's just so many things about it that I want to change." Sure. And he was mm-hmm. like, "You just know that that you can't really do that." And I'm like, "All right." And I thought more about it, and I was like, "That just means I have to write my own yes. stuff." Yeah, totally. So, so yeah, there's, happening? I don't know. <laughs> um, a few years ago, one of the owner of Barracuda, Elmo and industry, uh-huh. um, we had a meeting, we have a meeting like once a year or whatever. And he was like, uh, talking about my show, Barracuda, he was like, so what do you want to do? Like, 
I already had been there for a while, and he was just trying to, like, get more sales. And I was like, I don't know. He's like, is there a story you want to tell? And at that point, I was like, no, I really don't know. But now, um, really focusing in on who I am, I realize um, that I've become a representation for the Latinx LGBTQ community, Mm -hmm. and I have a platform from that. And I'm tired of waiting to see myself represented mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, in media in general. Mm-hmm. And there are, s- I, I still don't see my stories. Like, yeah. just because it's a drag queen or whatnot, that doesn't mean it's, it's completely me. There's right. a lot of um, Latin kids out there, they're still growing up with this very mass- machismo ideal surrounding them sure. environment. And it's still very prevalent. Um, I still would, we're just breaking into general stories. And I don't want to like say like, Oh, we need to like show more of the sad side because to be honest, my experience was not that negative. Yeah. I actually mm-hmm. pretty had a very positive experience and maybe it was the way I was brought up that I just was told not to give a shit. Mm-hmm. And I really haven't given a shit. <laughs> um, but I know that there is still, um, chances for me to so yeah I, I there are stories like there's a movie called Viva which I think it was beautifully done um, ironically it was done by an Irish production company and it takes place and the story is about a Cuban gay boy mm-hmm. who wants to become a drag queen that's not why I'm interested in the movie it's just that it was about a gay boy. Yeah. And there when, were many... What year was this movie from? This was in 2015. Oh, so recent. And it was a potential Oscar foreign film movie, oh. but it was not in the actual final list. Mm-hmm. I don't know what... But, I mean, it, it is kind of awkward that an mm-hmm. Irish production company, because it would have been an Irish selection. Right. right. So maybe that was what went through. They don't get their, like, outreach points if it's an Irish company. Or, I don't know, (laughs) or, like, it was about Cuba. It was weird. It was weird. Um, But it was an amazing movie, and I was just like, I wish more people would have seen that, because I don't feel people have. Well, I will definitely watch it Me too, for sure. Subtitles, so (laughs) watch (laughs) it Hablo Espanol, but not Irish, though. (laughs) (laughs) Just a brogue. brogue. Um, Um, Well, so... You know, I was telling Ben, you're, you know, after seeing your show so many times and we bring our friends to see it and they're all so impressed with you. And we brought our, our 12-year-old trans friend what? from San Francisco. We snuck him in. Yeah. What? My, my friend has this 12-year-old trans son, Wait, this gay guy in what? San Francisco. Yeah. When? This last last Monday. week. They came to visit and because um, his husband loves... The pro- he wanted to go to the closing of the prom right. on Broadway. So, so they came in for that. Okay, gotcha. And, um, and they came out for the night. And so we brought them, and we came in the back way during the Broadway thing. It was kind of chill. And he just looks kind of like a twink. You know, so it's sort of, like, passable. And, um, but Ken was the best. Like, nobody else, like, raised, raised and Ken came over to, like, take our, Ken's the waiter at uh, Ice Palace. Uh-huh, yeah. And he's like, and he's like, whose nephew is this? He's like, I was like, oh, thanks, Ken. He's like, yeah, well, I live in reality. And then he moves on. Yeah, but he loved it. He, he loved it. And he was like, he was like, I don't really like drag queens. My mom's like obsessed with Dino Martina. Okay, okay. That is such a common thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm no fault to him. But there's just so many people that come up to me and they're like, I didn't like drag. And yeah. I was like, 
I don't know if I like that statement. Yeah. But it's based, well, it's based on ignorance because it's an ignorant, ignorant way to look at something that is a genre and just, you know, it's almost like a group of people. I mean, there's just so you much, on TV, you know, yeah. identity within it. But I understand. It's like people saying they don't like Broadway, you know, because yeah. it means something to them. Yeah, I don't listen. I love Broadway, but there are certain stuff that totally. I'm not going to listen to because it's just like that's some cheesy shit. And <laughs> and that okay. and but you know enough about Broadway to to be able to see there's shows that are going to be like that and shows that aren't. But if somebody sees you know you talk about those girls that are just like I like this song, so I'm going to lip sync to it, yeah. you know, and I have a pretty dress. Yeah. It's. It, it falls under the same drag umbrella as what you do, even though that's insane. Absolutely, you know? totally. I mean, and uh, well, you changed, you know, one twelve-year-old. Yeah, I changed as a twelve-year-old, a new, newly open mind about, yeah. about it. The children are our future. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, but everyone we take to see you is so impressed by you, and they say, "Oh my God, she just gives so much on stage. She gives so much energy." Uh, how do you how do you maintain that, and how do you you know on your off time when you're not performing, how do you build that back up and you know um, reserve that for the stage? Do you have you know routines or practices like meditation or whatever that you use to? Uh... Well, it's definitely really hard because mm-hmm. um, you work every night. Basically, I don't drink. Oh, you don't drink at all. Well, no, I mean, I I do drink. I've stopped a lot. But I don't drink before the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if I drink during the show, I never even finish the glass. Yeah, yeah. I watched that Cuba Libre get ignored for the entire <laughs> well, time. I just forget about it. Like, yeah. Maybe because it's behind me, so I don't see it. But yeah. um, And when you do drink it, honestly, you look more thirsty in my <laughs> mouth than like yeah. actually like, mm, it's like yeah. alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it goes, it goes the same for my, the rest of my shows. I don't maybe like take a shot at my Tuesday show because it's just part of the... The opening mm-hmm. thing, um, but yeah, I, I really don't drink. I don't do drugs. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know how these queens do it that are like bumpa bumpa bumpa, mm-hmm. and I'm just like how. But I also like to wake up the next day right, at a yeah. reasonable hour. Mm-hmm. I don't want to waste it away. And then I also take a nap if I can right before I have to get ready, mm. just to recharge a little bit. Um, yeah, and I just I reserve my energy. I don't. I don't, I'm not doing drag to party. Yeah, right. right. And go out and, and hang out. I mean, it's every night. Like, I don't need mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. Like, what is the process? You have these weekly gigs, yeah. night after night after night. Uh-huh. And, like, it, you know, every time I've seen you, it's been a totally different show. Mm-hmm. I mean, much more so, it seems, than you would even need to do as far as audiences or presenters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could get away with recycling a lot more material. But yeah. maybe part of why it's just so... Uh, electric is because it's, it has that dangerous, you know, mm-hmm. quality of just being new, new, new. Mm-hmm. But so when you have a new stuff, do you then do the same or some of the new stuff, at least all the gigs that week? I mean, you know, is the Barracuda show one night similar to the Ice Palace show that same week? Maybe a song, but mm-hmm. I have a playlist for all of my shows since 2015, 2014 on my iTunes list. So I literally go back and I see what worked what mm-hmm. or, or what I could change or, like, uh, freshen up. Um, but that's just me. That's just my uh, OCD, I guess, that I don't want someone to be like, oh, she's doing that again. And if I do something again, it's because the audience requested mm-hmm. it. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm never... Uh, I, there's songs that I don't even do because someone is going to ask for it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I just don't bother to put it uh, on my regular playlist. Um, Yeah, it's... 
it's hard to keep it freshen up. And it's just on me because I'm like, people are going to see the same Broadway show over and over again. People are going to like gotta see an artist do their same songs. But yeah. for some reason, I'm like, well, since I ain't doing none of my original songs, <laughs> I have to um, just keep it changing. And it's just for me, too. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. Same for costumes. I like try to keep that rotating too even though I have a full walk-in closet I'm still like I have nothing to wear <laughs> <laughs> do you make your own costumes and stuff or do you I used made? to the simpler stuff uh-huh. I definitely design it now mm-hmm. and I have several people that I work with um, yeah it's just it's, I barely have time for me I hate doing hair but I have to like if it's something easy mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. doesn't have to be uber styled um, I'll, I'll yeah do I don't it. think I've ever seen you in the same hair yeah, it's there. It's, it's <laughs> definitely happens when I'm extremely exhausted, especially after coming back from Fire Island. There's a good shake and go onto wig. Yes, queen. For the last time, I am not on Ozempic. I made one little joke on this podcast, and everybody started calling me out, texting me, calling me cringe, whatever. I really was asked by people if I was on Ozempic, and as I told them, I am not. I am just eating factors, no prep, no mess meals, okay? Warmer, sunnier days are coming. Fire Island season is here. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors' fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you can kickstart a new healthy routine what are you waiting for with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week you'll always have new flavors to explore crush your wellness goals this may with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from breakfast to dessert stay fueled with easy nutritious options treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon shrimp and blackened salmon and kitchen time is kept to a minimum they are ready in two minutes no shopping no prepping no cooking no cleanup enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or just simply to eat well-balanced. Head to factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 and use code giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code giantsinthesky50 at factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And but then, it looks good. <laughs> are you working just with different DJs everywhere you go? Uh, let's see. DJ Two Face, I work twice. Um, and then my Sunday show is different. Wednesday show is different. Uh, so, yeah, Two Face. Because I imagine you need like some tech time then wherever you are to deal with. I mean, no, you're just calling no, out the I cues go, and yeah I, yeah, I just do it off the whim. And mm-hmm. I've just learned that I need to give my DJ 
enough time if I tell him to do something. Like, mm-hmm. I can't be like, oh, play this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it's just quiet. Like, I, I've, it's, it's a learning process. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's part of just being a host and an MC, like, just being able to riff. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with the audience, too. I'm glad you brought that up, too, because that is such an interesting skill that, in a way, is different from acting, this sense of, like, being a host and an yeah. MC. Mm-hmm. And it's complimentary. Um, yeah. You know, and it's. I think maybe it's more common... Uh, among theater actors than like film and television actors totally but it's still a separate skill and 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 sometimes I think maybe it's actually more what it's about even than like the acting acting mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys saw like um, uh, like when Sean Combs was in Raisin in the Sun on Broadway no I didn't I mean he was like in between Felicia Rashad and Audra McDonald you know right. and he kind of held his own because he knows how to work the audience mm-hmm. and it's a play you know and even though I'm sure lots of men have played that part with more nuance. He was not an embarrassment Mm -hmm. compared to, like, you know, Michelle Williams in Cabaret, who's one of the greatest actresses. I mean, look at her in Fosse Vernon. It's, like, changed my life. But in Cabaret, she was not nearly as good as Sean Combs was in Raisin in the Sun, you know? And I think it's, like, that... And I think it's it's very much that thing that a drag queen has to do, you know? Well, and I was commenting on that after your last show as well, like, you know, when there are those those Hell's Kitchen queens who get up there and are living their fantasy and, <laughs> like, much. you know... The guy that did the worm Voguing and, like, jumping on stage and, like, throwing dollars at you. You 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 react so perfectly to that because you don't get angry and, like, uh-huh. you know, shut them down and say, like, get the fuck off my stage. But you also don't, like, just let them do it. You kind of just, like, make it a part of the, the act when you right. kind of give them a little look that's so funny and the audience goes wild for it, but they know, like, mm-hmm. that you're in control. But, yeah. And we don't feel like they've interrupted the show. We right. feel like you've right. chewed them up and made it a part, part of the of show the and you're still in control yeah, and the absolutely. entertainment is still at a high level. And that's you know? very much a learning experience too. Yeah. I, I remember being, when I first started, I would I would maybe come across angry or whatever, but I'm, I remember, I just, I've learned that it's just not about me. It's, it's them trying mm-hmm. to get focused, kind right. of laugh, but then it's just if you allow them to or if you put yourself in a position where you come across mad or something, it just, doesn't help um, but yeah there's a few times I mean there, don't get me wrong there's a few times where people do cross the line and I sure. just I'm like hey lay it down <laughs> lay yeah. it down and then yeah. we go like okay let's go back yeah can you like clock like from the moment you step on stage can you like clock those people in the yeah. audience who are gonna be an issue <laughs> totally <laughs> I, in the first number I can just tell <laughs> when people are just a little too rowdy and a uh-huh. little too much feeling, feeling their fantasy, feeling fantasy. <laughs> um, yeah and I feel People think that they can do that with drag queens. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Because we are so connected with the audience and because Mm -hmm. we're joking with other people or we're like being physical with other people that they think that not only they can do that during a show or a number, but they can do that afterwards Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Um, The amount of times where people are like, go straight to touch my hair or straight to like touch my boob and I'm just like, why do you think you can do that to me? That even if performer. I joke, even if I joke with someone physically, I'm never literally touching them. Right. Yeah, yeah. So why do you think that you can do that to me? Yeah. I'm like a living doll that you can just take mm-hmm. advantage of, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm still a person. Yeah. You would not like that if I did that to you out of drag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does, does the number that you're doing affect? 
your attitude in terms of that? Like, I mean, if, if you're singing, it's not right, but it's okay. Yeah. Do you feel more emboldened to respond to things as opposed to... Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, the lyrics go along with that. Right, right. yeah. Um, after two weeks ago, I don't know if you guys were there, but I was doing... <laughs> I was doing... Um, God, what was the song? Um, uh, Carrie Monolakis... Yeah, it was Carrie Monolakis Creep. And mm-hmm. um, it was the finale of Drag Suicide, or as we call it, TRL now, Total yes. Request Lip Sync. <laughs> yes. um, Total Request Lip Sync. Um, and then there was someone who comes here, comes to the show all the time, and she like came and like tried to tip me like right at the peak of the emotion of oh, the song, no, no, and no. It, like in the silent part, oh, and, and she literally was like, uh, and I was like, go away, go away. She's like, sorry, <laughs> like loud enough that everybody could hear. But um, yeah, it just, I think people, especially come to my show, sort of know what the journey is. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. They're. There's a lot of people that come that have only experienced like the, the usual drag show, like come out, do a number, they leave, somebody hosts, and it's mm-hmm. just back and forth. But this is like a two-hour marathon that it's totally. a very loosely written, sorted out show, mm-hmm. but it's still a show. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, talking of like other kinds of drag shows, I mean, obviously you're just working a lot, so you're busy and you know mm-hmm. your work is at night, but... Today you're going to see Moulin Rouge. You yeah. do go see things, you know. Uh, do among the things that you spend your time on, do you see other drag shows? Do you watch Drag Race? Like, what is your relationship uh, to drag outside of your own? Um, and I, yeah, you said it. It's it's hard. Um, it's almost every night. So that means that I would have to go to another bar, and mm-hmm. if. I'm in drag I really don't want to be there mm-hmm. um, it's not that I don't want to support other girls it's just I don't really want to be in it every second of my life mm-hmm. same goes with theater I remember when I was um, in school I would get ready in my dressing room with other music not theater mm-hmm. I, I just want to be outside of that world until mm-hmm. I have to be in it mm-hmm. I don't know it's just my own sanity Well, but that's also, I mean, I think part of uh, the attraction to newer shows like Hamilton or Hadestown is because they don't sound like that same insular theater music, you know, that, Mm -hmm. like, I I think so much of Broadway is, like, so, like, feeding on itself like that, that it becomes inaccessible to anybody else in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it makes you a better artist to Mm -hmm. be bringing different things into it, whatever they are. Um, so for yeah, so drag, um, I just need a, I need to be able to step away from it, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I mean I, I try, I try to go see, and if I come across it, I'll watch um, drag shows. But yeah, it's it's hard for me to to go see other people, and I really don't watch Drag Race anymore. Mm-hmm. Anymore? Well, it's, yeah. I mean, what we're season eleven is yeah. it now? I mean, it's so, so long. Yeah. Time to watch anything. Um, I, but were you at one point a fan? At one point I was <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah. And then I feel like I would only watch it because I had friends on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just. What I am a fan of is good material. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I watch a lot of shows, TV shows, and movies. Um, I feel that's where I get a lot of inspiration, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't affect me drag directly mm-hmm. um, 
just just good written material uh-huh. just helps as an actor as a performer. Yeah, and when you see it, I mean that comes across, you know, in the quality of your work and in the diversity of the material, material you that you choose. I mean, and you know, I mean, hearing you say "Blessed be the fruit" or whatever, yeah. you know, it's like so I mean, funny. it's obvious that we're watching somebody that has like a, a deep a pop deep, cultural and, knowledge. Yeah, you know, and from a sophisticated um, angle yeah. that you yeah. know informs it all. But I, I mean, think, I think we all like. I mean, that so many people. That is the kind of drag that you know that we respond to. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like. I mean, I'll say it. We saw um, what's her name <laughs> Aquarius. <laughs> Aquarius show at the Pavilion. It was not that. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, but there's you know there's lots of room for all kinds of things. Right. I mean, we also saw Shangela at that same time. Yeah, was nothing. Uh, like either neither you nor mm-hmm. I mean it was like a Kathy Griffin show and it was just yeah, like yeah. so funny and like relatable yeah she's a great she's great on the mic and that's yeah, why so she's wonderful. been able to be so successful yeah. without winning yeah right. totally right but I mean <laughs> just but, just I, for but I mean I think it's frustrating as a fan to watch you and not see you getting that exposure you know mm-hmm. like I mean what's your like yeah but I'm sure you've tried out because everybody has to in this day what are you going to say before <laughs> well <laughs> Before, we'll let you, you know, tell that story, but I think, I honestly don't even know, like, you're someone, I feel like, who needs to have your own, like, you need to be able to write, produce, and star in yeah. your own, like, television show, you know? Mm. You're such, you're so smart, and, like, you have such a director's eye, and you have such a deep knowledge of, like, what's good material, what's well-written, what an audience needs to see that... You know, I was telling Ben, um, in Fire Island, I want to see, like, a Seinfeld-type show, but, like... You know, kind of meta like that, like about you as a drag queen. Got you know, kind it. of like oh, Jerry was like stand up. Yeah. But I want to see it like your life in New York, the character of Pixie. You know, Mary Tyler Moore was Mary Richards. It could be like Pixie, <laughs> yeah. like, Don't. you know, adventure or something. It could yeah. be like not your real name, whatever. But that could be your, uh, you know, kind of fictional show based on your life. Come on, I'm Ellen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're like Ellen, yeah. yeah. That's what I think, you know, something that we well, die to see from you. Well, to go from your question Thank to that you. question, there is an arc there. Um, there is, yeah, I've auditioned. Yeah, it's sort of common um, compliments to to be like, oh my God, you're so amazing, you should be a drag race. Um, at first, it was a compliment. Mm-hmm. Then it was just like, whatever. And then it became not irritating but just like is that my only way of success yeah and I feel Mm -hmm. that's the general public's idea of success for drag queen is to be on the show and it's it's frustrating because you're only saying that I can be successful through that show and I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that the show is not a great platform for that it has been a great great platform for that it's opened up so many doors people that I've never probably would have seen drag see it now Um, but I now think it's it's time for the next step sure mm-hmm. and I think I'm hopefully gonna be in that next step oh you are I don't want sure. to be a part of a hundred and something queens yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and not saying that some of them are um, but yeah I think it's time for the next step and I've been talking to my agents um, I'm signed with MSA <laughs> um, that I think I really want my my Netflix opportunity yeah, that I you think have that to have is and, um, that's so perfect. I need, and there we go again. That I am like, wait, depending on someone else's uh, opportunity. But um, yeah, I just feel 
because Netflix has has been able to just tell so many stories that haven't mm-hmm. been told, mm-hmm. and it's just so out there uh, that maybe it's not Netflix, maybe it's Hulu, who knows? Yeah. But maybe it's HBO. But it's well, there's so many. I mean, that's the great thing now, or Amazon, or yeah, like Netflix AOL pushed everybody. Is getting in the game. Netflix I mean, pushed everybody to, yeah. to like mm-hmm. give mm-hmm. other opportunities, and I think that's going to be something that I'm perhaps get into. Totally. Maybe. Hopefully. I mean, um, like, I mean, I was, my fantasy, and this is not long term, but just like, I would love to see a documentary about you, Mm. like very, like, kind of like 1970s gritty, like, just like, getting, like, in the Uber to the gig, like, Mm. you know, making the playlist of the tracks for that night's show, like, combing out the wig, riding on the Long Island Expressway, just, like, going through it, you know, Mm -hmm. and then, like, to the... Because, I mean, it's funny to think about, like, you know, I mean, even something like the Ice Palace, when you're there two hours earlier uh, in Fire Island, seeing... The Broadway night, you know, I mean, someone wrote, uh, it features Broadway's most available talent. And, like, you know, that can, and that's no shade to any of people. I mean, lots of fabulous people have done that gig, you know. But, like, it's, but, you know, but you feel like you're at the hotel, the motel, in the lounge. You're here on vacation. This is who's here this week. You got to do something Mm. after dinner. You go watch it, you know. Oh, my God, I've never seen it like that. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's fun, but it's very, like, you know, I mean, Wanda Sykes walks in just while she's drinking her beer for 20 minutes. It's like. She's never seen my show. Well, she needs to stay because it would change her life. But, like, you know, um, but it's something, it's something different, you know. Mm. And and this is not even just about you. I mean, it is a thing also about drag that even the worst drag show, just the fact that somebody has put on this like elaborate get up it takes it to that other layer you know level of 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 excitement and screaming I mean that's why when a drag queen even a busted bad one lip syncs Whitney Houston they they assume a little bit of that glory you know that isn't there when actually a really beautiful talented girl with an insane voice could sing that song live right but it's a little bit like the motel at the pool like you know showroom and like Mm. So, uh, I, I wonder how much, like, that comes in. I mean, for example, like, Freddie Mercury as your other one, yes. who's, like, who's not a drag queen and no. is an out gay man and, you know, was. Well, and was <laughs> at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he's... But was flamboyant and... Uh, and didn't give a shit. Didn't give a shit. Yeah. Um, it was his showmanship, I think, that... I mean, and his voice that attracted me to him, but I think it was his showmanship. There's mm-hmm. just something about him a super rock star that is just yeah and when I found him which I don't even remember when I found him but it was definitely later on um, when I was coming into my gay self Mm -hmm. and really embracing it um, I think it's when I finally found him so I would say maybe college I probably heard the music but actual Freddie Mercury yeah was probably college. Because when and you're a kid, you know a lot of those songs and you don't yeah. know that they're him or that they're exactly. gay or anything. They're, exactly. Everybody knows we are the champions and we will rock and you. And that and is Bohemian the magic Rhapsody. of him. Yeah. That even though people heard speculations, even though they might be the most biased, straight, conservative thinker, they still sing those songs. Yeah. Mm. I work, they watch hard. Every day of my life, I work till I ache my bones. 
And that's amazing, and that's powerful. Um, Did YouTube you? helps with Freddy, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Did you see the movie that was yes, recently I did. came out? What, what were your thoughts? Because it seemed very polarizing. It wasn't perfect, <laughs> but I... For, Rami did an amazing... Rami did an amazing... Is it Remy or Rami? Rami. Rami. Rami did an amazing job. Um, I, I, and I'm glad they were like, well, we're not going to find anyone that's going to look like him and sing like him, mm-hmm. so you're going to lip sync. But he, I heard he got like, he, he did the first transitional, like anything that was soft or like mm-hmm. in a, a, an actual range. Um, so he was able to, to do a great job. Um, mm-hmm. I think some story plots were obviously shifted for cinematic illusion whatever uh-huh. but um, I'm glad that some of his gay story was told um, besides um, the news reels that you see on YouTube mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. him passing or right. why he passed right. Right. so I was happy with that how, how, are there um, gay or any kind of like queer uh music stars now that you're into I don't know like Frank Ocean or like Rufus Wainwright or anything you know actually I went through a really big Rufus Wainwright uh, yeah. phase mm-hmm. um, Vincent right now um, Carl Cully mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm just found them these are like stars that are just up and coming um, God what's his name oh my god I'm gonna look at my phone real quick <laughs> how do you find these new artists are you on Spotify or do I'm, you I do a lot of Apple music uh huh yeah. um, and I just do every Friday they upload new playlists of mm-hmm. artists and mm-hmm. that's where I found a lot of my artists and a lot mm-hmm. of people that um, that I like inject into my show yeah. that um, people have not heard of Jawan Crawley mm-hmm. uh, he's actually in Aladdin He's oh right, uh, yeah, I know that name. Uh, so these are three queer artists, obviously years and years. Um, mm-hmm. <coughs> Ollie, um, but yeah, I'm I'm starting to really push for more. Uh, Muna, um, wh- who I discovered two years ago, no one was doing their music, and now everyone's doing their music. <laughs> um, they did the song "I Know a Place." Uh, they mm-hmm. wrote it right after Pulse, and mm-hmm. I feel like now that song is finally getting traction. And I'm mm-hmm. like, it's an amazing song. Yeah, I, I love finding new queer artists. Um, but at the same time, I don't know if I can do it. Not because I can't. It's just... I don't know. I'm like, just because I like a song, like I said, doesn't mean I, I'm i going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like I, need, mm-hmm. I need something. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what about in terms of, like, in this, you know, I mean political climate I mean just like this fuckery that we're living in now um, around the world mm-hmm. and you know shockingly here How, does that change do you see do you feel the audiences are more 
excited or more willing to go somewhere dangerous or, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, in a literal way, you have that great Anna Navarro thing that's in the show. Yeah. Um, but has that changed the kind of energy or experience that you get from the audience? Um, I've realized that because I I had a talk show, um, on a Tuesday night, um, that, that, that night has gone through an evolution. But there was it was a talk show and it was it was called Late Night Tea. We were treating it like, like a late night show on TV, and uh, this was live at a bar. Yeah, it was live at a bar, and and we would still do numbers, but there was a lot of talking. You know, like my Q and A. Yeah, but it I was it was more specific. Uh, uh, no. It was more like open to yeah. like a discussion, mm-hmm. and somebody like brought up some Republican view or something like that. And the conversation got heated to the point where I was just like, this is not a good idea anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody really wants to do this at a bar. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to get this serious at on Tuesday at, a, at midnight. Mm-hmm. So I, I started to um, regroup. It was with someone else. Um, it, was a, it was a duo show. And when they, they were let go um, and I was regrouping and sort of rethinking the show, I was just like, you know what? People just want to just have fun. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. it comes to drag shows, we do have those pixie Q&A moments. Yeah. But it's it's a lot more, um, I made it about me. Like, what yeah. do you want to know Get about to know me? Yeah. And as an entertainer, as a comic, if and it's the learning thing that you just don't realize, but when you connect to someone by making fun of yourself, mm-hmm. it becomes better everyone's mm-hmm. on the same boat but when you're just saying something that might trigger someone's view or whatever it just it becomes unbalanced yeah. mm-hmm. um so if we're all on the same boat and i think it, it becomes better and I, and I think that's why people go to bars go to see drag shows whatever they just don't want to think they just yeah. want to like laugh yeah. and have fun so that's yeah. what my break, view has been that. but you do have that element though i mean i think you know in a way, when you talk about see when you see your brothers and sisters on the mm. streets and you know each well, other. Well, yeah. Well, no, that's uh, that's different. That's a positive. Sure. Um, but I mean, three or four years ago, if I heard that at drug show, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, free to be you and me. And yet, you know, now you say it and it's like revolutionary every time I like have goosebumps because it just feels like everything feels so dangerous and toxic in the world. Yes, but I'm also not saying it just to say it. I'm not just like, be good to your friends, whatever. Like, I, once again, I'm connecting it to actual um, everyday encounters. Everyday, like, when I say, like, you're walking down the street and you're looking at your phone, why are you looking at your phone? These are all things that people are like, you know, you do that. Yeah. They'll never say it. Mm-hmm. But everyone does it. Everyone yeah. looks at their phone when they're passing by a stranger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do it, too, and I have to catch myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you go into an elevator and there's someone else and you don't say anything. Yeah. Like, these are all things people do. And it's yeah. just sort of like that, I don't know if it's a fear of connection, but um, it's just maybe feeling like, I don't want to be bothered, so I'm not going to bar- bother them. Mm-hmm. But honestly, a hello and an elevator, yeah, it just makes someone day. Or like, you just never know what. Yeah, it does. It changes the whole trajectory. Yeah, it, it is weird though. Like in the gay world, you know, like in Fire Island, we talk about this like walking Oof. on the boardwalk and Oof. you come like face to face, you know. Yeah. And if it's like someone who's <laughs> like 
you know, old or fat, you know, you feel more confident yeah. because, you know, it doesn't feel like you're hitting on them. So then it's like a warm smile. How's it going? They're nice back. When you see <clears> these, like, hot, like, attitude looking guys who might be the nicest person in the world, mm-hmm. it's harder to get up the, like, oh, confidence, you know. I don't care. I, I've done it, and I've gotten both responses. Yeah. Um, I've gotten, like, hey, or nothing. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Mm. Like, really does it really hurt you that much yeah. to like mm-hmm. say hi or acknowledge someone else that you may or may not want to have sex with yeah right, right. and I that's mean, that's not about you that's, it, about that's I'm glad right. you said it's that because you said that in the show and I didn't bring that but it is it, I forgot it but it, it, it does feel like it's a part of it it's almost mm-hmm. like it. The I don't want to waste my time sex yes. so somehow it's like the, it's presumed that you want to have sex with exactly. somebody right. you know? when you're not but don't you think as a kid like we develop this like bitchy face so that we don't get give the wrong impression and encourage like unwanted attention or something. Uh, I don't know if it's the, as a kid because Not, you know I, we're like a, as an adolescent or yeah, 20s. totally, totally. I mean, it's definitely in high school. Like, you don't want to be like show that you like someone, yeah, because that that means you, they have something on you or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I do. But I feel as we're growing up, we have to like grow out of that and yeah. just become an adult and that's being part of an adult mm-hmm. it's being able to have um, a conversation and that's also something that we are lacking in as a society is just being able to have a conversation face to face and not uh, people are so comfortable on their phone or through a, a, a computer wall that we're just we can talk all we want there as soon as we're in front of each other it's just like that awkward silence it's like mm-hmm. no yeah like no, that's a problem. We should yeah. be able to have a conversation. And I don't think that helps with being able to grow out of that, well, I don't want to say hi or anything because that might seem like I'm into someone. Yeah. Mm. Right. I mean, you seem so, like, well-adjusted and, like, you have such a, like, healthy, like, perspective <laughs> on all this. I mean, did you have years of therapy? Like, what's your... How did you get No, that? I just didn't give a shit. You know, um, growing up... I just saw people, adults around me, that um, I perceived as they're adults. They have all the answers. And as I grow, grew older and I started coming into myself and I, um, people started to know that I was gay. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a Latin thing, maybe. I mean, that's my experience. But um, no one, everybody talks to everybody else about someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just started seeing that more and more. I just realized, oh, y'all are full of shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, y'all, y'all are pretending like you got your shit together, but you really don't. And that just sort of triggered me to like be upfront. And if people consider that to be bitchy, I'm like, it's honest. I'm mm-hmm. being honest with you. Do you want me to like be fake to you? Mm-hmm. No, I'm yeah. not being mean. You think it's mean, but it's not. Um, but yeah, I just, I mean, that 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 was it. There are. A lot of men in my family that I don't respect. Mm-hmm. And it's not like a, oh, fuck them, not that. It's it's very much a, you, <laughs> you might think that I'm less of a man of, that you are, but you are actually not a, a well-rounded man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for me, that just sort of, I guess, taught me without knowing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But even that, I mean, that that's hard to get to. I mean, a lot of people know. can say know. that, but they don't yeah. feel that strength. I, don't, you know? I just don't know. I really don't know. And it's maybe these artists that I'm influenced by. Yeah. That, Thank you for bringing it full circle for right? us. <laughs> and maybe it is that because 
oh, people are like, who are your like drag icons? And I was like, I really don't have drag icons. Yeah. I mean, that didn't really come up to later on when I actually was like, okay, maybe I'm gonna do drag. So these people that I saw that were just out of the box, and I'm just like, okay. I mean, even like even people that were troubled, like Judy, like mm-hmm. you see them and you're like, they're still putting it up. They're still doing it. Yeah, yeah, and being honest and yeah. not not hiding and right. engaging with each other. Yeah, yeah, the audience. Mm. Well, that <laughs> brings us to our game. We play a little oh, game with our guests. Okay. It's a variation on Fuck, Mary Kill. Okay. Um, it's Dolly Concert Kill. And we're going to give <laughs> okay. you three performers. Oh, God. And you choose one that you want to see as Dolly Levi in Hello, Dolly. <laughs> one that you want to see in a peak career concert. Mm-hmm. And okay. one that you will kill. Okay. Um, so, so Whitney has Whitney to be on for that sure. list. Oh. Um, Cheetah Rivera, because I know you love her. Oh, yes. God. And, uh, well, Judy. Judy, for yeah. sure. Oh, fuck. Judy, Cheetah. Judy, Whitney. Cheetah, Whitney. Whitney. I love I'll it. I'll try it. Okay, um, I would have, oh, my God, I can't believe I have to answer this. I'm thinking logistically on who would be a good dolly out of those three, and I would mm-hmm. say Judy. Um, I'm gonna have to kill Cheetah. <gasps> that's that's not that's, well, that's not fair. Yeah, that's not fair. Um, but, I, I saw know, I saw Cheetah at Carnegie, um, a few years ago, and that was amazing. But I mean, I would I would want to see Whitney. And yeah, her concert. That, oh my God, that's pretty respectable. That was. I don't think any listeners rough. could take issue. With right, those right. Yeah, I mean, I, Cheetah's not. Tolly, not I don't know, think she couldn't. I think she could do it, but I think Judy would be just yeah, really yeah. Oh my god, that was rough. You guys. <laughs> She's really Cheetah is one of my people. Okay, <laughs> sorry, Cheetah, if you're listening. All right. Um, so, do you, can you do just a quick run through of like your weekly gigs? Sure. Just, just in case anyone wants to uh, attend. Sunday evening at Barracuda Midnight Show. Monday on Fire Island at 11.30 at the Ice Palace. Cherry and Grove. how long into the fall does that go? That goes into Labor Day. So Memorial Day to Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Tuesdays at Hardware at 11 p.m. Wednesdays at Therapy at 11 p.m. Scruff app. That's for the gays listening. Um, it's on your app. I do hosting. It's a live trivia show, just like HQ, but it's mm-hmm. made for and for the gays, by the gays. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can win money. Um, Friday, it's every other week until the holidays come. It's Distorted Disney and mm-hmm. at the Lori Beachman on 42nd. And I've been there for um, over seven years now. And it's, you can get tickets through www.spincyclenyc.com. Our um, holiday shows are Cracked Christmas. Um, what's the hol- there's a Halloween show and a Pride show as well. And then my Saturdays are usually travel. It depends on, like, if I have a Friday off. Like, this next week I'm in Canada for Friday. Oh. So, um, yeah, I usually have weekends for that because, ironically, in New York, you don't really need shows in the weekend. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You, that always surprised me. Because everybody else, I mean, it's just such a cabaret like city. Like you mm-hmm, just go mm-hmm. see shows during the week. 
Nobody wants to be at a bar on a weekend. Like, do you go see cabaret shows? Like, are you like a fifty-four below Joe's Pub regular uh, kind of person? No, I mean it really depends mm-hmm. if it's someone that I really want to see. Have you ever sung in any of those? Like when they're like fifty-four below sings West Side Story, or you know? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. I went to one. What did I go to? Oh, I went to my. Um, um, I went to go see um, Hunter Herlicka. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah. We uh, we did um, sh- um, Utah Shakespeare Festival uh, when we were both in college. Oh wow! And we've been friends since. Um, our careers have taken very different routes. <laughs> Somebody was just telling us a story about he was cl- oh Nathan Lee Graham was the MC and Hunter was Cliff in Cabaret. Annie Lane Stretch came to see it because they were you know, oh, right, right. BFFs. BFFs. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember that. But we were in Fiddler on the Roof together. Oh. I was um, Nachum the beggar, <laughs> a, a Jewish son, a chapa carrier, and the principal Russian dancer. Love it. And he was um, a tailor. What's his name? Matel Kamzoil. Motel Kamzoil. Matel. Yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, well, look, we got some Broadway trivia too. And oh. you're on uh, your Pixie Aventure on social media. Everything. Yes. Everything. And fabulous Venmo. to follow. And Venmo. Yes. <laughs> and money. Yes. And Send Venmo. Money. Well, we love you. And thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for being with this. us. Thank you. We talked about one album. That's how it goes. All right. Thanks, Pixie. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. For more episodes, visit Broadway World, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts do be. <laughs> Come back next week as we continue our special Winter in a Summertown mini-season, featuring the most fabulous talents from Provincetown and Fire Island. Next up, legendary Jeffrey Roberson, a.k.a. Varla Jean Merman, coming in to talk about the original cast album of The Mad Show. After Varla Jean, we'll be chatting with Linda Etter and Miss Richfield 1981. This episode is recorded at the Green Room 42 in New York City and was edited by me, Daniel Nolan. Thanks to Emmy-winning composer and lyricist Lance Horn for the Broken Records theme song. Follow us both, Ben Rimmelauer and Daniel Nolan, on all y'all socials. That's Ben Rimmelauer. B-E-N-R-I-M-A-L-O-W-E-R. And that's Nolan with an E, not Nolan with an A. Because Nolan with an A is an A. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.